Okay, good. So we will uh, formally uh, formally open up. Uh, we're going to kick off today with the public hearing on school choice. Uh, this public hearing is a yearly requirement before we take a vote. So first, um, just a roll call. Tim Knight is here. Bill Kirkby here. Kristen Savini here. Will Horn here. Okay, thank you. And just a quick kind of uh, agenda that, that I think we would follow is first I was going to ask Dr. Morrison to share some background uh, on this uh, other information and, and high level recommendation. Uh, then we're going to take uh, questions from the public or statements from the public, uh, whether it's here or on Zoom. If you're on Zoom, uh, ask that you raise your Zoom hand and in either case, state your name and um, address before. Uh, we would also then take questions from the school committee, uh, questions, statements, and it's pretty loose. I mean, part of the public uh, forum is, is it's a little more conversation, discussion, depending what comes up. Um, if anything we talk about warrants um, more discussions or questions from the public, we'd be willing to take it unless it goes back and forth like 27 times and we might <laughs> decide, but I don't think that's likely. And uh, eventually, though, we would... Um, you know, look to take a vote on it. And uh, we do not have Leo here today. Uh, as I understand, he, he's got other business. So um, with that, Dr. Marsden, you wanna? Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. So in your materials, I, I put a school choice recommendation. And I just wanna share that. Um, under Mass General Laws, Chapter 76, Section 12B, all school districts in Massachusetts are presumed to participate in and admit non-residential students through the school choice program. School choice created an option for a family to enroll their child in a school district outside of where the child lives. Essentially, if Medfield Public Schools participated in school choice, a student could live anywhere in a Massachusetts town and attend school in Medfield. And Medfield has never participated in the program in the last 30 years, it's been law. So although there's an opportunity to gain revenue of $5,000 per student, which Medfield currently spends $18,435 per student, and it adds students outside of Medfield to our enrollment. There are several concerns to consider when determining to participate in the school choice program, and they are as follows. One, increase to class size over the Medfield enrollment. The students, teachers, and parents enjoy lower class size, especially at the secondary level. Um, additional non-Medfield students would increase the student-teacher ratio in both core classes and electives, especially at the high school. Reduction of opportunities for Medfield students, in addition to increasing class size and potentially limiting access to classes and electives, non-Medfield students could take away opportunities in our athletic, music, and theater programs. Uh, three, Medfield taxpayers subsidizing the education of non-Medfield students. Medfield currently spends over $18,000 per student to educate Medfield kids. Uh, school, choice students, school choice students would require Medfield residents to subsidize the other $13,000 per student. Lack of control when demand outweighs slots. A lottery system would be need to put in place to do, if the demand for non-Medfield students is larger than the seats open at a particular grade level. And you can pick grade levels. You can pick a number. You could have five in grade two, six in grade one, 100 in grade 10, whatever you choose, you could do that. So if the, um, the demand outweighs that, then you need to have uh, a random lottery. Uh, removing funding from other school districts. When school districts lose funds, staff and programs get terminated. If Medfield were to participate, we'd be siphoning funds earmarked for students in another town. Uh, commitment to siblings of enrolled school choice students. Medfield would have the responsibility to non-Medfield student siblings should slots be available on a particular grade level. This is an additional responsibility and or expense for students not living in Medfield. So if we have student A um, in grade eight and then 
they have a sibling in another grade that has open slots, we have a responsibility to give them an opportunity to participate in school choice. Implications to local real estate. Um, parents always say they move to Medfield for the schools. Why would you pay Medfield prices if you could live somewhere else and still send your children to Medfield? A local real estate agent has told me that there could be negative real estate impacts with school choice. Not educational, but if you live here, you'll need to know that part. Um, these concerns and challenges highlight the impact participating in the school choice program and what they could have in the district. Based on these reasons, I continue to recommend that the Medfield Public Schools does not participate in the school choice program for FY24. I'm happy to answer any questions. Also, in your materials, you had um, a list of districts that do not take or don't do not participate in school choice. Um, and we've talked about the only two districts in the area that do are Holliston and Medway, and, and no one else in the Millis area does. Too, right? I'm sorry. Millis too. Millis might. I think yeah, Millis does. Do they too? Yeah. The three okay. is what I read. So that's all I have, now, Mr. Chair. Thanks. Is there any uh, questions from the public? We're on Zoom. We have people on Zoom. Um, if you're on Zoom and you want to ask a question, can you please raise your hand? No hands. Okay. Uh, typically, Ellen. Ellen, can you promote the person so they can speak? And if possible, put on a, a Zoom camera. Hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. Um, Chris, are you able to put your question? Are you... is, I don't see this on the agenda for tonight's meeting, the school choice hearing, and there was no hearing notice in the paper. Right under enter the webinar ID, it says public hearing choice school, and then public input is right after that. But is there or was there a hearing notice in the paper? Not required. Yeah, hold on one second because I just want to see the uh, policy. <clears throat> So the um that's only for the public hearing for the budget, not for this. So um as I understand it for public hearings um are required by law and all those um give due and public notice in line with statutory requirements and seek to publicize the meeting in all local media. One, to make available printed information on the topic of the hearing. What are you looking at? It's just our policies. Oh, okay. Okay. And you actually search the online notices. You will find other districts that have their online, their notices for public hearing public. <clears throat> we checked the attorney on this before. Yes. There are some misstatements here in terms of that, in terms of pure facts. There's no requirement to admit siblings. It is an optional within school choice to admit siblings. I think I said, uh, it's not a requirement under, under the school choice law. And we still have yet to see any data 
as to how many seats we could potentially have available in any particular grade, in particular at the high school, when our enrollment is going to be dipping so low come this fall. We have never gotten any kind of presentation. We've only heard the cons, but we've never had a presentation on the possible pros. Actual data presented with, with real numbers. Be my second paragraph is two pros. So, so yeah, I think I think we're gonna um, one. I, I think because I want I want to stay um, follow both pieces um, as well. There is um, part of the reason this is a public hearing is there is conversation, you know, as, as you talk about that. So, um, the content that he has is, is what you know what we've shared so far. Um, before going into that too, I'm, I still I don't really I'm not excited about holding a public hearing if we're in violation of laws like i don't i don't know all the laws i, I you know I, so we've, when, we've never posted a public hearing for school choice we checked check with our attorneys on that that wasn't a requirement that that they talked to us about it definitely is for the public hearing for the budget you know we do that well in advance multiple times but not for the school choice please go ahead and look at the online listings of the And historically, how many members of our community have chosen to participate in the topic of school choice? For what is a public hearing? Yeah, have have attended sure. to to discuss this. Well, it has some bearing because I think it has something to do with the interest level of the community on this topic, which is something that I think would be interesting for us to understand. Well, if you have, if you're, if there's a history of not providing due notice, which is usually 10 days in advance, and people are waiting until the agenda is posted 48 hours in advance, and there's been no thoughtful presentation with actual data to say, you know, if we were going to go with this, if we were going to consider this, we would have, for example, 15 MCCs that we could consider at the high school level that would generate X amount of revenue. I'm not, I'm not a, a for pro-choice pro or against pro, uh, school choice. I'm just saying that there needs to be, Holliston has done an amazing presentation on this. I have gotten it. I have a, a good friend who's a former chair of the Holliston School Committee who has shared with me the very detailed data-based presentation on school choice. Chris, Chris, if we if we counted on if we counted on school choice revenue in our budget like Holliston does, and you can bet that'd be part of our presentation. But we we have never had we have never had school choice in Medfield. It is not part of our budget process, so there's no need to do that as part of the budget. Like you keep you brought it up a couple of years ago as well. Yeah. Because you ever, we have a responsibility as a committee to make data-driven decisions, and there has been no actual data for years to present it on school choice in terms of how many seats, how, how low are 
about me on enrollment and on, on the high school bus. So I think we're at what, 700, you know, just under 800 students? This was something that you, you Mr. Dr. Superintendent, brought up at the beginning of the budgeting process. Correct. That there was a real risk of having a very low enrollment at the high school and that tough decisions were going to be made. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the community has an obligation. They have, they should be safe, the real number. How low are we going to go? Could, could, you know, could feeling 10 feet on the bus? So, 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 so I'm hearing, hold on, because in general, we try to retain some order. So I, I am hearing that you'd like to hear additional data on what, you know, seats may be available. So, so let, let's, let's at least see if we can talk about that. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm honest, I'm still, I don't like the prospect of inadvertently violating DC rules, regulations, or our own policies. It's, I, I don't like that because immediately what happens is we are called out on it. It opens up a lot of attorney work and, and you know, time and effort and energy. That, that's where I'm still, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I, you know, I, I just don't know the, the, the in general, a, a public hearing, I think is, it's, a, it's a good idea. Yes. I mean, so that may have been an administrative. Um, are we supposed error. to be talking about this right now? Or are we supposed to? It's delay? on our agenda. Okay. Yeah. We're not so, taking, we, we, nobody's taking a vote yet. Okay. Okay. So, so just, just bear with that. But I'm, I'm still, that's an area that I, I just say. Yeah, I mean, obviously, not, I, I don't know where to go with that. But. Chris, you said you weren't for, or like, are you, do you have an op opinion or some information, like, on which way we should go on this? data point that I heard when I, or when I was trying to like research this is, you know, we, we gain 5,000 if a kid comes in, right? But we're spending 18,000 on a kid. So, so to me, that's, you know, backwards $13,000, right? Um, so as the enrollment declines, you know, if, if right now we have a low enrollment, um, you know, that, that's better teacher ratios, that's more opportunity for our kids who live here. So can you help me understand why filling those classes where it would cost us money, like how, how would that be a good thing? Okay. Yeah.
or 15 or 20, and you can be bringing in revenue for all those extra students. That's money that you didn't have. Oh, yeah. But so, so, so I think so, that, that's a conversation we, we can have like, yeah so for pros me, and cons and like if, if the bus isn't full and we're paying the bus driver and bus insurance and we add a kid for one dollar that that help well i mean you know depending on where they live or whatever but point taken but in school in school choice we're going negative thirteen thousand dollars to fill a seat and we are we are the 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 student to teacher ratio the experience of our kids and taxpayers in, in, in medfield is worse if we have more kids like it is better with less kids and we're going backwards. So the bus analogy, where I think I understand where you're going with it, I, I don't think it's the same thing. So, but what I, and, We never see the actual data to say, here's the number of seats we have available. Here's the cost of the difference. And, and we're talking about, we're not talking about growth cost, we're talking about net cost. Because the price, for, the cost per student that's being touted here is not the number that we've been sharing with Trinity for what the cost per student is going to be when they were doing their initial projection. Wait, what is that? So Sorry, I, I don't understand. I want to make, I want to keep it on some degree of focus. I, I think, you know, this is just my perspective, and I, I don't know. Maybe we need to dig in. There is, a, I, I do understand at least the high level under, of the bus analogy. We we have the people on staff. If a certain grade had capacity, and we could say we're open to school choice for grade nine section such and such, that might be a good thing. I think the counterpoint that I heard from Dr. Marston is. If we if there's more demand than we have seats, then it goes into a lottery in terms of where we take the students. You know, so in the example of the high school has seats, but the uh, you know, the elementaries don't. We're at capacity. I, that's I think what I look at is the risk on that point. So if I say the financial pros and cons, it, it doesn't jump off the page at me that this is a pro. Right? You, now anyone else sitting here might say no, what but Getting those extra six students is $30,000 with a sunk cost of all our staff. We can all make our own, you know, everyone has going to have a different yeah, opinion. I guess, yeah, go ahead. I've been talking. What are you? So I was just going to say, because this is not a topic that I had previously been familiar with before coming into this role, I've been doing a lot of reading um, and a lot of canvassing. And I've talked to a variety of folks, some with students in the district, some who had students in the district who are now grown, um, some teachers, uh, just to get a feel for what the reaction is amongst the town. And I would say that I don't know what our current class sizes are in the high school example there, but I will say that there is a perception amongst families that they feel the class sizes are too large already and that that is a concern. And in trying to evaluate why some families have chosen private school options, that is part of the feedback that we received. We'll talk about that later on the agenda, but I think that's an important point. And so the concern that I heard from people, in addition to cost, just purely from their taxpayer <clears throat> hat, um, their parent hat said, we're concerned that we don't have enough 
of the, the proper ratio and resources for the kids that are already in the school, let alone having more kids come in. Again, that's a handful of people. Excuse me? This is across the, this is a handful of, this is a handful of people across the board and I would not dare even say it was representative. This was me simply trying to get some additional voices on a topic that I thought would be helpful for me to better understand what a viewpoint I might take would be. So, uh, I mean, the big when we have a dedicated job enrolled at the high school level, what is being sacrificed? What classes this fall are not going to be offered because we don't have enough students now to enroll at the high school level? So we should run classes for other towns' kids instead? I don't, I don't understand. It's, it's a, it, everyone's entitled to their opinion on it, right? So, so some could say because the, the numbers go down, we, we may or may not. I, I, you know, one might say, hey, there's a reason to do it, right? It's up, you know, amongst us, thank you. And it's good, good input that we can take whether or not, you know, again, there's going to be pros and cons, right? That's how, that's, how, that's my perspective. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. To be honest with you. Yeah. No. That's a good question. Like, did, did we lose FTEs this year? Offered because of that. I don't know any of So we're not aware of anything that's being cut. Yeah. Do we lose any FTEs because of enrollment? No, not because of enrollment. We lost them because someone is uh, taking a leave of absence and not replacing it. Yeah. So. So we didn't lose any for enrollment. So we haven't dropped any classes. Yeah, so we haven't dropped any teachers, Chris. So the classes, as far as I know, operate on like demand from the students, right? right. And teachers can teach right. other things. And again, I'm I'm new to the seat, but but I I it, it doesn't sound like we're losing any kid any options. Like if we had just cut three FTEs from our you know our arts department or our math department, I'd That's I'd have follow up questions, you know. But but if, if we didn't do that, then I. I So, so I, we get that. We, we get it. So, you, so you're not getting all the information on this specific school. I still look at it that the, the, this discussion is really around the school choice. And, and I, it's, it's one, it could be at a certain time, there could be more seats in a given one school versus another. I don't think this is like something you accept year one, decline year two, accept, you know, I don't think of that's not at least how I look at it because of mm -hmm. things like siblings that Dr. Marson has brought up. Well, not only that, but see, that's not, that's not. Look, look I, with all due respect, I appreciate the input. Um, if, if we want, we can circle back um, in, in case, is there anyone else no, out there? We, we say we have 10 seats in the sophomore year class, mm -hmm. and we take those 10 kids. We are not obligated to have them through graduation, correct? Correct. correct. 
So understanding how tight our budget was this year, I think that that's something to consider as well, that you have the obligation to take these students in and carry them through graduation. This isn't just a one-year decision. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Right. Sorry, I understand that. So no matter yeah. what grade you're taking them at, though, sixth grade, second grade, wherever, you're obligated to have them for the next couple of years or until they graduate. Correct. Yeah. I don't know if we're going so to get to a vote like we're playing. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, I think there's a cost. All of these points that have been made, I think there's actually a future cost that you need to be considering when you're taking this into consideration, right? It's not just a right now, you might get $40,000. It's what's the long-term impact to everybody over the next couple of years. Yeah. It's, yeah. A little, it's a little scary to me to think that you guys are asking all these basic questions and you're expected to vote tonight. It, 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 it's This is something that really should should be pushed off to another meeting so that you can actually do your homework and get the facts. I don't, I don't appreciate the input. Chris, I don't totally agree with that. Like, I, I know which way I'm going to vote. If you told me, you know, you were, am I allowed to say I'm going to vote if we're talking about this? You can say what Okay. Well, like, I mean, you're, I'm gonna, generally I'm, speaking, we try to get a feel for how it. Yeah, so like, and, and I, I think it is, I think it is not a good thing for our community if we have not lost it. So I guess I'm just trying to figure out if there's anything, you know, any information I missed. I don't know what you meant by basic questions, you know, whatever. But I'm trying to figure out if there's any information you think we missed if I am going to vote against school choice for Medfield. We're paying money out for school choice. We're losing money to school choice. We have, Chris, we, we have always have since 1993. Now. That's not anything new. We have since 1993. We paid out. Well, Kids that go to virtual more... schools, we pay for that. That's always been the case. It's not like that's... we're losing hundreds of thousands of dollars that we have to recoup. That's great. But why isn't all this information, all, why isn't all this data put together into a report that is shared with school committees so everything is in one place? So they can actually study this information. Chris, Chris, I Chris maybe I had meetings with school committee members. Chris. So, Chris, maybe I had meetings with school committee members. That's allowed too. I could have had individual meetings with school committee members to go over some of this data. All the expenditures so are on the DESI website. Well, the fact is, you're having a public I, hearing. I, I think so what benefit does it have the public if you're doing this one on one with school committee members and the public is not seeing the data that you're sharing, you're actually sharing with school committee? But it, yeah, it, the it, public is in the dark about the actual data. It was our responsibility to go and educate ourselves on this topic, which I do believe people have done. Um, so, so yeah. I'm just not sure. Like so, so, I, I'm good to vote. Like I'm comfortable with my decision. I'm happy to talk to anyone that voted for me to sit here about my decision. I'm just not. I just don't. I'm not sure what we're talking about. If, it, if you're not for me, or against it, I guess. Yeah, to, to me, I think I was just going to want to appreciate the input. I'm not sure, Michelle, if there's any others from the public who have input. Um, I don't see any other hands raised right now, no. Okay. And so, so that, that at least the, we have some input from the public. I, I was going to say, too, any other you know comments uh, overarching as to either research you may have done information that you've been able to gather or gaps that you feel um you know need be better informational gaps that you're really anyone here is looking for amongst the school committee um, i, I think one of the things that i talked to some of the families about which was you know the, the two-way aspect of this and the question i think on people's minds was would 
would families in Medfield choose to send their kids to another public school district? Which they the can anyway. Which, yeah, yeah. They, they can. I think the general feeling was... Um, um, and I'm not trying to interrupt. I want to make sure I'm clarifying, provided that other district is a, is is a school Correct. So just to try to weigh both sides of it to understand, like, because we, we talk a lot about the implications of bringing the kids in, but I was also trying to get mm -hmm. a feel for how families would feel about going out. And I, I think, you know, a lot of people talk about vouchers. <laughs> they They would like to get some supplement for private school perhaps, but not to, to go to another public school um, because that is, you know, effectively why they were here. So that was just a, it was an interesting side of the discussion I, I didn't want to lose sight of, which was thinking about how much, ex would, would that cause more people to exercise their choice to leave the district in favor of another district? And I, I, I don't know that we ever get those requests or how well, often yeah, we do. I think over time it may be interesting if we whatever we vote yes or no this is just tim knight's understanding right whether we vote yes or no we can have students who choose to leave the district some that does happen in some districts and some of them have lots of students who choose to leave the district saw, yes yeah. and as that happens sometimes they need you know the, the, the school choice does mm -hmm. counterbalance that right right we do not that's not a problem that i see today that is a driver that says, "Hey, this is this would yeah. be, a, a, you know, we're losing forty, but we know we can we can get forty back." Um, that was some of Chris's point. Like we're losing. Like if one kid decides to go, we're losing money in school choice, right? I mean, that's kind of, in virtual high school. It sounds like Jeff said, but like it's not. If we open our doors, I think we go backwards the other way a lot. Yeah. Because there's a we moved here for these schools. We pay taxes for these schools. So I like. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I appreciate the information on the high school, but I just think I have to look at it as the whole body. Like, yeah. I, I think of this as a, a decision I make more on behalf of the district. One of the and, things and, that um, struck me um, in my reading was that you also, and I, I think specifically if it goes to lottery, I, you know, obviously you, you're not making a choice in which students, which not that you would want to discriminate against students in the first place, but the thing that struck me was if a student was expelled, you know, from a, a prior district, you, you can't say no. You, you let that student in. So we would be open to that as well. You're not allowed to say no. Um, so if they were kicked out of another school and we had school choice, they could come here um, without any repercussions. And, and like, don't want to be disparaging, but I do think that parents would want to understand that. other districts that actually have school choice to understand what their what the pros and cons are from the ones that actually need. I still I'm still confused on Millis Medway and Holliston. I don't yeah, have any what contacts the, I, in those three districts. Yeah again I am comfortable with the vote I'm gonna make tonight, Chris. Uh I just I'm I yeah I'm just not sure what we're talking about. Public notices that work right now, and at the current time, time Cape Cod Times, Wellesley Townsend, Kingham Journal, Arlington Advocate, Metro West Daily News, Winchester Daily Times Chronicle, Boston Herald, Patriot Ledger, they all have. And on so, and so, on, they all have. So, so there's, we're, we're we're staying on two areas right right now. I was going to go back to the legality of of the posting and whatnot. Right now, I'm I'm trying to get a general, you know, input from everybody as to how do they feel about this you know I, I think that's a separate topic i appreciate the information um 
the uh, but but right now I don't I'd rather not go into in a, in a minute or two I was going to ask you you know if, if we're aware of legality but other uh, just staying the course on how did you know, how does everybody here on the committee is there anybody who did you know feels like they need more information before we were to put it to a vote okay um, the only bit of the gap that I have is is again on call it. Um, yeah. Somebody, you know, somebody's saying, "Hey, this was supposed to be posted. We're supposed to do this." Right. So, can I just read I mean, what Jesse's advisory is, just so you, yeah, just so we're all clear on it? <clears throat> the hearing and the school committee's vote can occur at the same meeting and may occur at a scheduled school committee meeting, provided there is notice to the public that this item will be discussed and that members of the public are afforded an opportunity to participate and make their positions known to the school committee prior to the vote. It was posted. That's the requirement. I think I would feel differently if this just showed up on this agenda two days ago if we hadn't in prior committee meetings and prior agendas discussed the fact that it was going to be part of this meeting as well. So I view that as part of the timeline of, of what's been communicated. Right. And, and I think there's also, I, I agree, and isn't it by June 2nd? June it's June 1st. So there, it is time sensitive as well. Right. So, I'm looking at the public hearing notice for Patriot Ledger. It says, according to Mass General Law, Chapter 71, Section 38N, the Committee will hold a public hearing. This is, this is, there's been no public hearing, there's been no legal notice about the public hearing. And, and it's not even about the legal notice, it's about having, about the public knowing this in advance so that they can actually come to you as well 10 days in advance and express their own questions so, and so, ask you about your thoughts. Okay, so so at the beginning, I, I, potentially be a bias. With, with all the respect, at the beginning, I said we, we do generally try to keep the, the comments at, at a certain time frame. Um, I appreciate that input. Generally speaking, this is something we vote on every year, you know, for, for as long as I've been here, towards the end of the year. You know, the, the public, I haven't heard people we we all try to ask folks around. What do you think? What do you hear? I haven't heard people other than um, Chris saying, "Hey, nobody's aware of it," and that's that's the reason why we're not hearing um, a whole bunch of people. Or we typically don't get a lot of people coming to our meetings. Regardless, it's been on the agenda. I think last week or last meeting we said, you know, next meeting this was coming up. So I feel comfortable that we're satisfying the requirements of Desi specifically around yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. notifying the public of yeah, what, sure. what we're doing through our normal agenda process. And, um, you know, I feel comfortable bringing it, uh, bringing it to a vote um, if everyone else does. Um, okay, so, yeah, so if we can, um, you know, as far as the public input, I don't think there's any need for any more. So if we can shut that down. So uh, do I hear, um, or, or um, it sounds like just from the, everybody's comments, if we were to take it for a vote, it would be to. Um, yeah, I, I just want to, just want to say one quick thing. Yeah. So I was going to, I was going to ask that. So, so it's, it seems like there's just a, a general feel. I think I, I, I get the tone of where most people would want to vote, but yeah, if there's any, last comments from anybody i'd love to hear them i feel like this is you know there are there are many topics that members of the community have come forward and through the certainly through the election process for us and probably others for you uh that are concerns for them one of which we're talking about tonight mm -hmm. you know other things that have come up um 
you know, with, you know, the, the handling of, of, you know, there was the book topic, there's other topics where people come forward and they have a strong opinion, the grading in the middle school, the, the leveling at, at the high school in the ninth grade. We hear from the community on these topics that they care about. They will either show up and hear and, and participate in the discussion, or we might hear from them individually and have those follow-up discussions. While I appreciate that there might be, you know, some passion around this topic, I don't think that that seems to be a community-wide passion. I don't think that this is something that, you know, you could give people 60 days notice on something. I don't think we're going to get a lot of topic and discussion and input on this because historically there never has been. And this is not a new thing. To your point, this happens every year. And so, again, I felt it was my responsibility to go and read and learn about it and to look at the numbers, what's happening in these other districts that are supporting it. I did those things. Um, I did reach out to parents and, and members of the community proactively, many of whom said, yeah, what, what's that again? You know, what is that? And so we had to have a discussion about what it meant. Um, and, and this is my point to you, is as I don't know that we um, have a meaningful voice of community on this particular topic anyway. Um, so I think we, we take the information we have, we take the inputs. People are worried about size and space for classes. They're worried about the cost. Um, there's a general feeling of people not wanting to foot the bill for people that don't live in the district. That is just input that I received. As I said, it's not a mass population, but you know, a dozen or so people. Um, that helped round in on a choice that I felt I could make that was representative of at least some set of our community. So I just wanted to say that it is not without data nor is it without input that I would make a vote. Oh, thank you. So, okay, so um, is there a motion uh, to take a vote and uh, based on what I'm hearing? So I'm, I'm not sure, sure, Mr. Chair, but you would have to close close the hearing first and then take a vote or will I forget which way we do it to be honest with you okay so we vote it's one, way, the other, one way it's wrong and one way it's right so um, I think it's close the hearing I think it's close the hearing then take the vote close the hearing open up the school committee meeting no and, and, and no I close the hearing take the vote and I think that's how you it'll be safe that way okay thank you so uh one is there a uh motion to close the public hearing so moved so second kristen simonini all in favor aye aye, aye. aye. okay uh second <clears throat> is there a motion to vote on uh vote and from what i'm hearing to decline to elect to participate in school choice so moved michelle kirkby seconded will horn all in favor aye aye, aye. 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 four eyes Okay, thank you. Um, so we've closed the public hearing. So now we're gonna open up um, the regular school committee meeting. And I think we take a roll call to open that Once up. Again. Um, so tonight here. Michelle Kirkby here. Kristen Simonini here. Will Horn here. Okay, great. And uh, at this point, we'll take public input. Uh, citizens in attendance or on Zoom will be welcome to comment during the public input. Please approach the mic or raise your Zoom hand, sh share your name and address. Um, if you're on Zoom, we'd appreciate it. Um, if you can share uh, your camera, that would be helpful. And um, 
We ask that you follow school committee policy for public input, including speaking for no more than three minutes and on topics that are under the purview of the school committee. Um, my name is Colleen Tierney. I'm at 14 Hatters Hill Road. Um, I've just noticed that enrollment in student withdrawal was on the agenda, and um, I have been hearing a lot of conversation, uh, probably because I've pulled a kid from high school and the middle school. Um, I've just heard a lot of more conversation than usual in the town about the increasing number of students leaving um, the Medfield schools, especially in the middle school grades. Um, and from what I've heard from some admissions contacts that I have in private schools in this area, there's, they're seeing a significant jump in the enrollment from Medfield students. Um, so I just wanted to share that. That's what I'm hearing. And I just want, and I, um, but I also understand that there are now exit surveys available. I don't know if, is that true? Like, I don't, it's... there wasn't one when I, when we pulled my daughter last year. So I think that's great. Um, if there are exit surveys and I just wanted to know like how those are being distributed, who reviews them. Um, and I just think it's really important to capture the reasons why, um, I mean, I have my own predictions, but they may, you know, may or not, may not be true, but, um, and if I also just want to know, like, is there a plan of, for transparency and sharing that information? Because that could solve some of this like low enrollment in the high school, because if people are flocking, in my opinion, they're avoiding the middle school, then they get attached to where they are. They don't come back to the high school. And that's the trend that I'm seeing. So if we can maybe make some improvements in the middle school, as far as academics and um, some of the agendas being pushed there, I think that would keep some families here and then we would have a better enrollment in the middle school and the high school. So that's- no, no, Thank you, and that's on the agenda tonight. Great. So we, so, we and I think we're gonna- All right, you know, I just wasn't sure what that meant. So I just, those are my questions. So no, I will sit tight. Ties right in. Yeah, right. Thank you. Um, any other hands raised or? And I think um, just as, as uh, we are going to take a vote, I think, on the math curriculum. Is that correct? Yeah. So I, I would, just, just based on that topic, I, I think we would be willing to open that up um, after after that discussion. Yeah. Uh, to, to, just in case. Okay. Uh, no other hands. And uh, otherwise, we'll go to that. So then, um, and help me, I'm still getting used to the consent agenda and the, sure. and the role. Um, so, uh, but I think what we, the consent agenda is we go through all of the items listed, uh, which I'll raise in a minute. If anybody wants to pull any of those out, they can, and otherwise we vote on it as a, as an aggregate. Uh, the consent agenda is uh, approval of minutes, the regular meeting on 4-13-23, and the um, meeting in front of uh, the uh, town meeting on May 1st, 2023. Uh, the school committee dates for the 2023-24 school year, Medford High School Student Advisory Adjustment Journal, Medfield High School Student Awards for graduating seniors, and I'm just going to say that the, the specific rewards are in the packet and uh, out there are published, uh, as well as uh, donations. And again, the donations are uh, in the packet on the agenda. And um, 
go from there. So is there anything in, in there that anyone wants to call out? No. Do I hear a motion to approve consent agenda? Second, Kristen Zanini. All in favor? Aye. 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 Uh, and uh, I would say uh, as well, congratulations. I don't know if we typically um, read out the, the, the awards, but congratulations for those that are um, receiving awards and, and a massive thank you. Yeah, so what uh, this does tonight is allows the, it allows that money to be uh, withdrawn and given to those students. So um, you have to approve it and we send it over to the town and the town releases that money for the scholarship. So thank you. Right. And um, I will I will call out it just out there that the, that the donations though um, from a, a three thousand dollar donation to NHS, the high school gift account uh, one thousand uh, dollars for Mr. Ray and I would not Shalakin. say his name Shalakin to the Dale Street gift account for the Dale Street Library. Um, Mr. Shalakin's wife was a former Dale Street librarian. So he does that every year. Um, his wife was one of our librarians and passed away, and um, every year he. He gives a uh, a check in her memory, so it's very so, nice. Yeah, no, actually, I'm, I'm glad we spent a minute on this, and thank you there. And uh, one thousand three hundred dollars from West Ed to the Dale Street gift account for Dale Street's participation with their recent learning study. So again, thank you, uh, thank you for that. Um, new business. Uh, we're going to talk about the elementary math uh, curriculum recommendation and vote. Uh, Mr. Chair, we have Christine Power and Jen Belsky here tonight. Um, they have done a great job coordinating this really comprehensive pilot this year. <clears throat> we, we got a lot of great feedback from parents, from students, from teachers. Really well done and um, happy for them to present that to you tonight. Thank you. Hi everyone, my name is Christine Power. I am the Director of Instruction and Innovation. I'd like to introduce Jen Belsky. She is our K-5 math coordinator. And it is our pleasure to talk about the K-5 math pilot that's been unfolding this past year. So tonight is really the culmination of two plus years worth of work. And all of it was centered around some guiding principles. One, which is what do we value in math instruction? And the second is what do we want math instruction to look like. Now, how does that unfold in curricula is many different ways. And these are the some things that are posted, or the bullets really articulate that. It's about the quality of the materials, the alignment to the math state frameworks, connections that students can make to real world scenarios, differentiation, representation in, in terms of inclusion, diversity, the rigor of the curricula itself, as well as student engagement, incredibly important, and ease of use by the teachers. Another thing that this is, is also the sequencing, that spiraling of math curricula. So concepts build as grades unfold. And so after one grade, after another, after another. And so there's a deepening and a more enriching experience. And so those two guiding principles really guided our process. And as I said, it's over two years in, in the making. Uh, and it's something that just wanted to share the depth of work that has been done uh, we developed a series of rubrics, really conceptualizing these two principles in terms of looking at curricula itself, both evaluating what we had and also curricula that was available. We looked at the something called Ed Reports. Ed Reports is something that's been published for a number of years now, and the best way to, to, to capitalize this is a, is a consumer reports curricula, really evaluating curricula across the country and really providing districts and people who purchase curricula a really substantive way of looking at curricula. So we 
we created our rubrics and then from that point really looked at ed reports and decided we would only look at high quality curricula curricula that met the highest standards that as articulated by ed reports and that was about 10 different curricula and at that point we pulled a bunch of teachers together we had representation from teachers across the the, the three schools and together we used the rubrics we really talked about curricula over the, over the two-day period and at that point we were able to narrow down the number of curricula to evaluate we had samples in hand we were all looking at them from the initial total amount down to three and then we decided to really think about how we were going to pilot it effectively now the pilot happened over this past year we selected three high quality curricula and of that we selected three teachers in each grade pre-K through five, and they were able to receive training, um, information, curriculum materials. We also notified parents and guardians, and we really got this set so we had different windows of time that we would pilot the three particular cur curricula. We also developed an evaluation process where we could understand specifically what was going on and looking at things such as uh, ease of use, um, student engagement, and alignment to the curricula. And at that point, it set off. We, we started in September, the beginning of the school year, wrapped up the pilot process at the end of March, and then Jen and I crunched a whole bunch of data and, and came up with the, this final recommendation. Now, our pilot curricula, there were three that we selected. This is part of that initial summer group that made up of teachers across the district. All three are considered to be high quality as according to ed reports and also aligned to our guiding principles. And they were Reveal Math by McGraw-Hill, Illustrative Math, and the publisher there is Kendall Hunt, and Stepping Stones by Auriga. And our analysis, again, was pretty intense, but something that really provided us a lot of information. For pilot teachers, there were three different groups. Um, and the pilot teachers, they each received a survey every other week. Not only did that give us an understanding of how, whether they liked the curriculum, of course, but it asked more specific questions. The every other week allowed us at every point of time to really understand how the curriculum was unfolding over time. What is some supports that would be needed if we on week two versus week four versus week six, for instance. So they received surveys every other week. In addition, we had a culminating survey at the very end to really assess in terms of what are the strengths and what are the areas of improvement for the curricula, as well as we had a focus group and opportunities for teachers to come and share and see across grade levels in terms of how that unfolded. In addition, we had parents and guardians have an opportunity to reflect and provide their feedback. And a lot of that was based on their conversations with their child on how math was unfolding within these pilot classrooms. And then third, we had students. And we had grades two through five. They completed surveys at the, ever, at the end of each of the three pilot windows. And they provided us with a specific, you know, just really great feedback as well. And again, the data was analyzed. We presented this work to Dr. Marsden, as well as the elementary leadership team, and, and spoke together about what are the strengths and what are the, the, the different aspects of the pilot itself. And together, we came together with this final recommendation that we're sharing with you today. Now, a couple of things is that with the data, the areas of focus were slightly different. I wanted to point that out. With teachers, we were asking questions specifically on ease of use, meeting the needs of all students, and student engagement whereas students and families were focused on meeting their needs as learners, as well as their child's needs, as well as student engagement. And with that, our result. <laughs> okay, so after crunching all that data, getting all the feedback, um, the one that sort of rose to the top for people was illustrative mathematics. 
Illustrative mathematics, for those who don't know, is a problem-based curriculum where students actively solve problems and they work together to develop their understanding and communicate their ideas. So although the teacher is involved and there is explicit planning, teachers are asking questions and ensuring that students are understanding concepts and developing their understanding, the students are working together much of the time in an illustrative mathematics classroom. And that was something that our teachers and students really enjoyed and really thought was beneficial, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, again, like Christine said, illustrative math is highly rated by EdReports, and EdReports is an independent nonprofit that works to ensure that all students have access to high-quality materials. So they evaluate programs at the elementary level, the secondary level, in all different content areas. Math is only one component of what they do. All right, so our feedback from teachers centered around student understanding, ease of use, and meeting the needs of all students. And one thing that our teachers really liked and really thought was helpful was the collaborative activities prompted students to think beyond rote recall and memorization of math facts, and it gave them a chance to engage in real-world problem solving. So what you're seeing highlighted on the screen is a quote from one of our teachers that says it forces students to think and make connections on their own rather than just teaching them a trick, which they really thought was helpful and it set a strong foundation for the kids' mathematical knowledge moving forward. Teachers also felt that the lesson materials were clear, concise, and easy to use. They really felt like they could implement it easily. They weren't spending a lot of time sort of preparing materials and kind of decoding what they needed to do, it was laid out really well and was easy for them to implement. And meeting students' needs. Illustrative mathematics uses open-ended prompts. They're called instructional routines to launch lessons that provide multiple entry points for students. So all students can participate in these instructional routines and all students can feel successful during math. So what you're seeing on the screen is a picture that is an instructional routine, and actually I can share it with you here. This is the actual slide that students would see and that teachers would use. So they would see this picture and they would be asked, what do you notice? And then what do you wonder? And so students would share what they notice and what they wonder. And ultimately the math that is sort of behind this picture, what we're getting at is arrays, which leads to multiplication, which is a very big part of third grade. So it is a way for all students to sort of access that understanding or begin to think about that concept and feel successful. All right, back Thank to you. Christine. So this is an example of our student survey. So you can see them on the left. We had happy faces and up and down, um, asking questions about how they feel about math. Um, what do you feel about learning math? Did your math uh, book help you learn math? And did you, um, and did you math? Um, did you enjoy math? I think it was the third one that's blocked. Um, and then they had open-ended questions at the end. I loved seeing the students writing, and Jen had the opportunity to crunch all that data. Yes, all um, <laughs> and uh, it, it became clear that. Uh, majority of our students enjoyed the activities. There are multiple activities as part of this and as part of that student engagement piece. Not only are there are activities, there's something called centers that really provides real world 
ways for students to make connections through games, et cetera. There was an um, example of a real world connection is, for instance, uh, when teaching uh, about fractions is uh, using sandwiches and how to divide. You have three friends, right? And you have two sandwiches. How would you divide the sandwiches so everyone gets the same amount of sandwiches? Things like that. Things are real world where they can, can make connections to specifically things that they see every day. Um, and the quote that a student uh, made really pulls this tale together. It makes us think really hard and it pushes us. The problems and situations are super creative. Another area that we looked at is meeting students' needs. And that is the opportunity for written content uh, that provides through, um, there's diagrams, there's a turn in talks, there's visuals. There's a multiple different ways for students to both enter and, and really engage with that and really display their understanding of that. And so uh, one thing with, with illustrative, it's very clean, it's very minimalistic, it's very streamlined, but it provides them an open space and, and plenty of opportunity to reflect on the math. This is not about the how math, it's the why of math and really understanding those concepts. And so all those different pieces that came with the curricula really supported that. And so you see that the quote itself, I love the less overwhelming pages and math this way makes me feel good, right? It's not busy, it's really straightforward, it's about the math, but in a really engaging way. It was important for us to get feedback from families as well. So uh, all the parents that, and guardians that were associated with the pilot, um, at the conclusion of every pilot window, they were sent a survey. And you can see the bar graph on the right that the vast majority of respondents um, commented that they were either super positive, very positive, or somewhat positive on the illustrative program. And I love the quote that was stated there. My son went from not liking math to being obsessed with math. He is now almost a grade level above in some areas. This program has been wonderful for him. And this is something that's indicative of, of all, very reflective of a, a number of the comments that we received, that they found that the students were able to engage with the concepts easily, that they were engaged, and it really pushed them in terms of their depth of knowledge in math. So, we're at next steps. Again, there's lots of planning and process to this point. Really proud to present this information to you today. And we're getting things ready, hopefully, for the next steps, which would be seeking approval from you. Um, and then from there, there's a number of things that would go into place. If we do receive approval tonight, we would uh, go and communicate this with the MPS community. Communication's been an important part. We have a dedicated website that's specifically attached to this that provides different aspects of the pilot all along the way. Um, we would schedule the student uh, the teacher training. Teacher support is a really important part of this as well. And that, that training would unfold within the summer or in, in, and during the opening days of school. Order and distribute the materials, of course. And then the other part, which is key, was that we learned a lot through this process over the past two years, really talking, engaging with teachers and understanding the different parts of that. So we would look and revise our data collection process to continue it forward. What did we learn from the process? is a whole bunch of different things. I talked about that survey that was every other week, understanding how this unfolded along the way so we could make adjustments. We would take on a similar data collection process where we would understand specifically where are our teachers' needs, what do they need support in, et cetera, so they have opportunities to voice. And that would be not just in a survey, but opportunities for them to engage directly with us. And then, of course, provide opportunities for ongoing learning, thinking about ways that we can build upon this great math knowledge and provide supports to our teachers and our learners themselves. So with that, thank you very much for the opportunity to present. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
so is this replacing the Envision math? That's right. Okay. Um, obviously, overwhelmingly positive feedback, but I'm curious in the negative feedback if there's anything in particular that, you know, was called out, and if so, how are you managing to that? Yeah, great question. There were a couple of things. Again, no, uh, no program is perfect. I would say one thing is that the colorful piece of it, um, it is very, when I said, minimalistic. Uh, that it's typical sometimes with elementary is to see lots of bright colors and things like that. This is very streamlined. So it was a little bit unusual for our students to, to see this. And that's something that it did show up in some of the student surveys. But the, I would say that the activities themselves the engagement through not only the center activities, which are these large-scale activities, but also those individual lesson activities, the opportunity to turn and talk, to talk and engage, to show your work in different ways, mm -hmm. that is more than a color on a workbook in terms of student engagement. So that would be one piece. Anton, did you see anything else? Or? I think another thing that our teachers really want to make sure is that we attend to the needs of all learners. So that's something moving forward that we're going to really closely monitor. Um, I've had conversations already with special education teachers about how they might use this program and some of the pieces, there are unit adaptation packs that will allow them to sort of meet the needs of students who have unfinished learning from a previous grade level. Maybe they're not quite ready for a unit. Um, they need some, you know, some reminders or some review of what they learned last year before they, they go ahead with that. So I've already started working with special ed teachers to sort of unpack those pieces with them. Um, so that we can meet the needs of all learners. But that is a conversation that we've had Thanks. as well. Um, my question would be like, uh, was, the, was this, a, so we didn't get to see the data on the other ones, right? So the parent feedback, it was basically five negatives out of 43 or whatever. So that's Smaller pretty round. good. Yeah. Uh, what were the other two like? Was this an easy decision for you? Did the other two have more negatives? Yeah, one was crystal clear. Okay. One was a little closer, uh, but the one that was the one that was, I will say it was stepping stones that was a little bit closer. Um, that one was very positive within uh, a specific grade or two, um, okay. not across all. Um, and actually it wasn't contiguous either. It was different. We, we looked at things at grade level to see that. And so that was one thing just in terms of it. And that had to do with a couple of different things. The, uh, the engagement of the games, the, the, the layout in terms of the color and the and the layout of the space, but I will say that those are, sorry, those are positives or negatives of the that other was um, it was a, I would say I would conceptualize it, it was a, a nod towards that in some with some grade levels and and not the majority by any means um, that it was a slight nod I would say towards better colors and better, layout yeah that and, and that but overall if you looked at the whole that it was very clear that illustrative was the popular okay. choice. Thank you. You know, I liked it. One thing I liked about it was the structure. That day where we locked, we went through some of those lessons. And that they, they do a really neat structure where it's whole class instruction on the rug, which was great. Teacher did a wonderful job with the technology. The kids were there. They got some direct instruction from the teacher, went back, did some individual, then did some collaborative, then came back on the rug with the teacher for progress monitoring. It was really well done. I mean, I. I thought it was excellent. It was an, it's an active, joyful opportunity where kids are really talking about math in, in, in just a very deep way. And, and it's very engaging. And that's something that 
being a observer in that and and it showed up in the data as well i thought stepping stone was good too I mean, yeah i, I would agree of, of i would those, agree those lessons too i thought that was good one uh, other oh, thing oh, how oh, often sorry. do we evaluate um, math curricula uh, the pandemic set us up a little bit in terms of delay. So this one, we're a little bit longer. The goal is within every five years or so to take a look, see what's working, um, and then what, and what needs to be changed or improved. With the pandemic, we were a little bit on a pause on that. So we were a little bit longer on this one. Uh, I think this is year eight, eight in this program. So the thought right now is if, if this is approved going forward, this would be for the next five years, five years, and yep. then you would kind of evaluate. Evaluate and um, and if this is approved, the plan is to roll this out in the fall, like this, the next mm -hmm. steps piece is all going to happen right. between now and the fall. Okay. Is there a cost differential between this and what we do now? Or this and stepping stones? Oh, yeah. Uh, second place? Um, on part, uh, the, the illustrative is interesting because there's a more focus on teacher um, PD and support through that. So the products themselves are open source so the products themselves are, are less expensive but the important pd that really makes this work and that is that is that's a cost that's a little bit more so in all um, the cost i would say per year is it, it is a, it's different because of a contract situation but i would say it is lower for for the actual print materials but the pd would be more expensive and the, you know the when we did Envision, the PD was up front and there wasn't any follow-up after that. And it was it was kind of all part of the package. We did that eight years ago, mm -hmm. where this is a higher focus on PD and teacher engagement and then much lower cost with the materials. So, That's right. Yeah. I always felt like the Envision books, like they were half unused. I've, I've got a bunch of half for used sure. Envision yep, books sure. in my house right now. Yeah. yeah. That was one of the issues yeah. we're looking at, for sure. Absolutely. Ava, mm -hmm. um, kind of follow up on Michelle's. How often is, you say you evaluate roughly every five years, how often is, uh, like, you choose to do nothing, you know, keep doing what you're doing? Um, like you like the program you have, so you Oh, yeah. Yeah, and so, like, when, I, when I looked at those yeah, options, one of them wasn't necessarily. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that we did we did evaluate envisions along with this as well, so that's part of any review process to see in terms of what's working, and that's part of the, it was an initial conversation, too, in terms of our hearing from our teachers, but that would be part of, in terms of our curriculum itself. Envisions does have a newer version than it is out than is out right now, um, and that was part of our original look mm -hmm. in terms of that that initial ten that we looked at. Was there anything you were look like that you were going after? Like, hey, why not? You know, this this is the um, some of the things that we think we might fix with an alternative. Yeah, those were that initial conversation and those visioning of what does math what should math instruction look like and uh, what do we value in math instruction. So those were really part of that guiding piece and helping us formulate those rubrics to look. And then that the edit red reports has been super helpful and really an outside observer really measuring on a flat plane across all the different curricula to help us narrow down the 20 plus curricula out there to really what are the high quality curricula out there and help us really zone in and narrow. But we we wanted a, a variety of different opinions and that's why we do three. Most districts don't don't pilot this many, but we really wanted to make sure that whatever pilot that we had, that whatever curriculum that we adopted really reflected us, our values, and really is best for the district. And we're really comfortable with, with the decisions what the data said going forward. That's helpful. Helpful for me. I, I'm I'm playing it back, but so you, you, it was more about hey, what's the vision of what we want it to be? Oh. Mm -hmm. That kind of started. That that's where you started, and and it, then that, that's that's good. I mean, that, that helps me understand it. It wasn't so much hey, we need to solve X or Y. It's right. 
What's the net limits? Any other uh, questions? And is there any? Um, I think we were gonna we were gonna take this to a vote. Uh, we we wanted, given that the topic, we we would open this one up. We we don't always do that, uh, but if there is any public input, if you're online and you want to comment, you can please raise your hand. Or I can read it if you want to bring the person over. Or do you want me to just read the question? We typically we bring them over. Um, can you raise your hand so that, um, I have one question in here. Can you raise your hand so that Owen can bring you over? Owen, are you able to? Okay. Working hard today, Michelle. I know. <laughs> Turn your um, camera on. Can you hear me now? Yes. Are you able to turn your camera off? Working on it. <laughs> there we go. We can Sorry. Um, I was looking for my question that I typed, but um, I'm just curious how does this. I'm sorry. I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to be a pain. I just don't see the Zoom. Just name and address if you don't mind. Oh, sure. It's Courtney McCarthy at Six Willow Circle. Okay. Thank you, Courtney. Sure. I lost my question. Um, I, can, I can read your question that I have typed out. Um, Courtney asked, have we looked at other school systems use of these programs and if those schools saw improvement in math for their students as part of the transition to newer programs? Just curious how we measure that this will be a more productive and impactful program for the children's growth. Yeah, we definitely looked at other districts. So uh, some other districts that use this include Lexington, uh, Weston, Acton-Barksborough, and Franklin, right? It's relatively new curricula. Um, so we really relied, uh, first of all, those conversations in terms of the unfolding, first, super popular amongst all those different districts, so the, the different connections that we had within that district and seeing it unfold, uh, the student engagement, the deep level thought and the deep learning of that was really a critical and part and part of that. And then of course the ed reports in terms of that, this is also um, something that was critical in terms of the alignment to the particular frameworks and the engagement and ease of use. Was Courtney's question about the number, did you look at like MCAS, did Courtney mention like numbers in there? Measuring like, the success. Like how do you, so I appreciate right. that you said, you know, it looks thoughtful, but what, did, did you get any data it's from Lexington? Too, it's too early yet, and to be honest with you, the curricula was rolled out in Lexington, I believe two years ago, Acton Barcelona two years ago. Okay. We're, we're, we're really in the early stages of that. It's not, it's something that, um, those that where it translates to the MCAS isn't isn't quite there yet. Okay. Is that is that the primary KPI you would use, which is MCAS, or are there other data points you would use to MCAS measure? MCAS for sure, but also internal data in terms of that that. Um, Star maps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Star maps. Yeah. I just have a follow up question. Then, so if you're going to use MCAS, right? We've got they don't start taking it till third grade, right? What's that? So that's a progress monitoring assessment that happens three times a year with our kids. Oh, that's the that's the, like the standards based reporting. No, it's a it's it's an online um, assessment that kids take for mathematics. That's like probably what the teachers speak to in the conferences, right? It happens three times. That's three, part right? of it. Yeah. Okay. So they so this year when they were doing their evaluation, so I had children in the pilots. I had no, you know, every time I filled out the 
surveys, it was kind of like, I don't even know what I'm filling out because I didn't know about that website that you mentioned, but I, I had no data to really evaluate or provide any valuable input in the survey. I just kind of was like, I guess things are fine. So as long as my child's progressing, I guess it's still working and I guess I'm okay. I guess I'm, I guess what I'm looking for was how are we going to measure it to know we're going to get that improvement. So it sounds like you're saying the star reporting or whatever it's called right. is going to be used and then ultimately MCAS in future evaluations when you revisit this again in five years. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Thank you. Anything else? Okay. So I think it, um, any other comments, questions from the so otherwise, I think we we would want to let me just say this correct. So um, seek approval from the school committee to select. I'm just going back to um, illustrative mathematics. Is that close, Mike? Excuse me. Luster. There's actually a debate about how you say yeah. that word. So, so you, thank you. you, for, might be, you I, might I mean, I thought I was going to have to take a math yeah. quiz. We've gone back and forth a million times. You, you, you just made me feel a little, a little <laughs> not a little better. Illustrative. Is that correct? <laughs> we used to say, um, Do I hear a motion to approve um, um, moving over to illustrative mathematics for the elementary schools? Motion to approve. Second, All in favor? Aye. 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 Thank you. Motion passes. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank yeah. Th you. Thanks. Sure. Thanks for all the work. Oh, it's, thank you. Appreciate and the enthusiasm. More, more important. <laughs> thanks for letting me know. My envision books are just book stops at this point. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's recycling. Yes. Okay. At some point, we're going to get rolling. There's a couple other heavy topics tonight, so. <laughs> Uh, but I think next next on the agenda is uh, coincidentally too. It uh, was coincidental with Colleen, but we we had definitely heard uh, about um, enrollment, and uh, we had asked uh, Dr. Marston to do some research and sure. share some background. So, well, thank you, uh, Mr. You Chair. So, a so, um, couple of things. You know, we have I'm going to talk about the new enrollment withdrawals, but also the 23-24 enrollment and kind of where we are with that. So. We use NASDAQ each year for that planning, and we do that for budget planning. We get it in the fall, we get it again in the spring. Um, so we're currently at 2,500, 25 students, 25, 25. Um, and NASDAQ has us going into a slight increase next year. So our, our current kindergarten registration is 188 students, um, and our graduating 12th grade class is 199 students. But NASDAQ has our kindergarten projected with, with actual births at 216. So um, that, that happened last year where we, it was a little bit lower and then kids arrived in first grade and the first grade numbers went up a bit. So uh, we're waiting to see what's, what's going to happen with that. But we right now have um, all of our full day classes filled up and we have half day uh, slots available at this point. So we'll be looking for any students that come in in the kindergarten level would go into our half day program. So in terms of our withdrawals, um, we have currently 43 withdrawals from the district for next year, 32 of those are for private school, um, tw 20 new enrollments, 10 of those are coming back to Medfield from private school. Um, in your materials, you have the private school numbers for the past 30 years. So we did some research on the past 30 years for private school, um, and you also have private school numbers for local districts to give you some context to our numbers. 
So we average 6.7% um, of our students in private schools over the past 30 years. So we've had a few waves of higher percentages you'll see in there where some are at 7.5 or 7.6 or whatever. Um, but we, we average always around between 6 and 7.5. And that's over the last 30 years. So in the last 30 years, 94% of Medfield kids have attended the Medfield Public Schools. That's before COVID. That's before anything else. You know, recently, 30 years back, we've always had that many kids consistently in private schools. Um, if you look at what we have in local districts, you'll see in your materials. Um, and I chose the, the districts that we put in our budget um, mail that we did. We tried to kind of connect to those districts that were their per pupil expenditure. So um, Wellesley currently has 24.9% of their students. So 75% of Wellesley kids attend the Wellesley Public Schools. Needham is 19.3 attend private school. Dedham is 17.4 attend private school. Dover is 14.9 attend private school. Walpole 11.5. Westwood 11.1. Norwood is 10.9. Millis 6.6. .6, and Medway is 3.24. And of course, we're right below Norwood at, um, at the 6.7% number. So when you put it in context, and you look at the last 30 years of what we've averaged, and it's been very consistent over the 30 years, um, and you see what we have in other neighboring districts, we're still at the 6.7%, and we, we have been, I'll say it again, for 30 years. Um, that, that's kind of where we're at. Um, however, you know, one of my copies, my superintendent copy in January, um, a few parents suggested that I um, survey outgoing parents to get a sense of why they're choosing private schools which I thought was a, a, a good idea to kind of get some feedback, seem reasonable. Um, Kristen and I met, talked about that, looked at, I had put together uh, a survey in January or in February right after that. Um, she and I looked at it. Um, she gave me some feedback and we changed a couple of things on it. Um, and I sent the survey out. So we sent the survey out to um, 34 families and we got 18 responses so far. Um, it was anonymous, and I gave them the option in the email that if they wanted to follow up with a phone call to talk a little bit more, um, that they could do that. I haven't, no one has taken me up on that yet. Um, so some of the questions, just to share some of the data so you get a flavor of what, what the themes and are. You, I just was taking up, how many, uh, uh, the survey is how many percent, how, how many results? 18. Okay, 18 of 34. Thank you. So far. So far, yeah. So the first question was, would you be making the same decision to send your child to a private school if you lived in a town other than Medfield? So we want to kind of get a sense of, is this a Medfield? Is it about Medfield or you'd be doing that anyway because we do have legacy families for certain schools or for sports reasons? Six people said yes, zero said no, and 12 are not sure. Um, and then we, we went to some open-ended questions. Um, what motivated you to consider a private school for your child? And were there any specific uh, factors about the Medfield schools that led you to seek an alternative? So some of the themes that came out of that, and we just, this is really broad themes and, and general themes, but um, the top one was academic rigor for higher performing students, and nine folks put that down. Um, athletic opportunities at private schools, we had four people do that. Um, concerns over middle school grading system, we had four people do that. Um, COVID handling and the aftermath of COVID, three people. Um, concerns over class size, uh, three people. Family legacy with a particular private school, two. Concern about the Dale Street building and sending your child there, one. And issues with available books, uh, library books and content, one. 
So the last question was, um, how important were extracurricular activities in your decision to switch to private school? We used a five-point Likert scale. Um, five people chose that number five, which was the reason they went was for extracurricular. And uh, four, leaning toward that, was one. Uh, three was four people. Uh, two or three, and then one, which was no reason at all, five people did that. So pretty much half and half in terms of, um, of that particular item. So, you know, that's what we got so far. It's only been out, I think, a week, week or so, right? Just a week that we've May, sent that out. May 4th or 5th, um, I think. I'll send out a reminder next week to try to get more people involved. And then if we have additional folks that decide to go to private school, the process that we're going to use is that the, the registrar, that the data person in our district, the registrar, she will send that link as part of the process of withdrawing so that we can get it in real time, like right after people withdraw, they can get it. So it's not just an email to me. Uh, I will say that I did get emails back from parents saying, thanking them, saying it's a good idea and that they wish, you know, maybe she could have done it years ago when my other kid went to private school. It's good to have this information. Um, so moving forward, we're going to continue to collect the survey data, look for themes. Um, we intend to create another survey to send to parents because we have a list of parents that explored private schools but decided to stay in Medfield. So really get a sense of why just why did you choose to stay in Medfield? You know, because that that is something that and why did you look though? Well, and why did you, you look in the first yeah. place? Yeah, and well, then yeah, why yeah did you exactly. So why ended up staying? So that was something that um, we want to get data on as well. Um, you know, this is something that I think we're going to do every year. I mean, even though we know that over 30 years now, we have data of 30 years that 93 to 94% of our kids attend the public schools, um, the data from the 6 to 7% can always be used for improvement. So we want to make sure that, that we do that and, and keep that up. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, with that, happy to answer any questions or any follow-up. Um, I will say that there is, you know, to Colleen's point, there is a, a spike this year in eighth grade um, going to private school. It's 21 kids right now going to private school in eighth grade. Um, I don't ever remember seeing it that high, uh, but it could be. I thought we looked at five years ago. It was higher five years ago, or did that not take out the tri-county? It did, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so it didn't take it out. Do you so remember once... what that 2019, 2020 yeah, was I then? Pull that out. I, I'd have to go individual to see what the tri-county. So that's that's one of the things that, that happens. If we have students that go to tri-county, we also have students that move. So, um, you know, we have... Right now, out of the, eighth, the current eighth grade, we have seven kids that are either going to Tri-County or moving out of the district and moving out. So, um, you know, that obviously impacts the withdrawals. But I think it's also an important, you know, little data piece to know that 10 of the kids so far that, that, are, that have enrolled are coming back from private school. Mm. Um, I think that's an important data point. And I have that information, too. Okay, that. Uh, I have to go for the grades. We just did that. I can hold on one second. Let me. Okay, so 2021-22, um, returning from private school, we had 21 students return from private school. Three at grade 10, two at grade 9, two at grade 8, two at grade 7, three at grade 6, um, one, one, one at 5, Four and three, four at grade one and four at grade one and two at grade two. So I mean it's across spread across those areas. So when when we first started digging into this, um, and I guess before I say that, I, I want to thank the families that pushed on this concept because I'm I think it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. I, I know you agree, which is why you had already yep. drafted something sure. up. Um, 
but I, I think it it's important that we do this, we continue to do this, and that we watch that trend, and that we report back to the community every year on what those numbers are, so that everybody is aware and we can all see what's happening. Um, admittedly, I think I was a little focused on the eighth to ninth grade transition, mm -hmm. simply because what I thought the sort of noise that I was getting was coming from that set of families um, who were making the, the decision not to move forward to the high school. But I do not want to lose sight of, I think, the fact that, Colleen, you were, you were really speaking more to almost the transition from fifth to sixth, even. Yeah, like, I, well, to. They normally get like maybe one Medfield student every other year, typically. Like they hardly get Medfield kids because they're good. And next year they have six or seven fifth graders coming into that. So one. So we have, we have two fifth graders that are listed. Two that have that announced their plan to leave. Well, I guess like six are enrolled. Oh, you're saying already are there? No, yeah. for the incoming. So it's not. Maybe they won't. It's, you know, the numbers so I'm curious they, to they, see. Is an interest, but right. so for instance, when right. someone looks at private school, they contact the building principal because the building principal has to give information. Yes. You know, that's, course, that's yeah. part of the process. So I know that Steve has received six or seven requests this whole year mm -hmm. on that. And we have, we have two that are committed from fifth grade to go next year to private school. When do we tip it? I mean, I think the private schools need to know, right? Because they've got now, wait lists. They, they need to know already. So yeah. we wouldn't expect much of a jump in that number no. throughout the no. remainder of this mm -hmm. year. <laughs> a fourth of the class yeah, for next year is from that field. Well, one and, fourth. And I think that... Yeah, I, I can't imagine that. The reason, the reason I wanted to push on this was because I wanted to make sure that we were given numbers to look at, that we yeah. could see the trend of that. Um, and that we could validate, you know, to some extent, some of the, the root cause of that. So while I, I don't disagree, there's probably a lot of discussion I, I would like to, under, and I think we can get that through these numbers, is understand how many people considered it and how many ultimately made the choice, and then use these surveys as a vehicle to understand those decisions in both directions, because and I think that's like, important. I'm a little premature. It's like, yeah, you could also commit to a school and not go. Of course. Yet, you yeah. know what I mean? So like, but yeah. I'm just saying like, I've just gotten comments like, oh, did you hear you know, all these Redfield kids? And I was like, oh, I'm not. Well, those are the numbers we have, the real numbers. Yeah, understood. Yeah. Remember, yeah. yeah. sure. I'm just curious. I'm yeah, just, so, you know, I just want to be like, yeah, So, so Colleen, what we do is the, the numbers that are in this, and this is online, this is part of the school committee's packet. Um, this report gets filed every year in January. So these are the number of kids that are in a private or parochial school um, from Medfield as of January 1, which is time we get all the information back from the private schools and then the total number of school-age kids in the, in, the, in the town of Medfield and then we get that percentage of how many kids go so by January 1 we'll have a, an absolute number of what that looks like we'll have it by grade level too. yeah I think what we talked about was just making this a an annual readout yeah, if, if not sure. more definitely an annual readout because what we want to do is see is that a, is there something with a particular class or grade level is that a consistent theme you know that is yeah. what we want to watch. Yeah, they are. that yeah. way, you know, if some of us don't feel, you know, don't feel heard, yeah, you that's a way to feel heard. For sure. Here's why. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, I was I was really excited that 18 people already stepped yeah. because I wasn't sure. Like you never know if you put something out there, right. you're gonna. get, I thought 18 so far is really good. Yeah. And then so that was my other question. It's just a part like if you say you know want your transcripts 
sent or whatever like yeah. you asked to withdraw like yeah. it's just a here's your survey like you or do you have to ask for it it's, like it's going to be so what we did is i got the list of everyone that has already withdrawn okay and i sent that email to all of them okay but from now on when you, if if someone withdraws, they'll get the link to that survey, okay, so perfect. they can get automatic. It's not going to be no one's going to have to ask for it. Yeah, like if it's like a you got to find it. Okay. You no, know, it's not a secret squirrel. We're gonna okay. <laughs> we're gonna give it to. Them. Okay. All right. That's great. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. My my question, Jeff. You said that like forty three withdrew and thirty two went to private school. Right. Like what are the eleven other eleven kids doing? Are um, those just like moving, or is that moving or? A lot of them are moving or they're going to um, Tri-Counties. Okay. So majority are moving because only four kids are going to Tri-Counties. Okay. So that doesn't really matter. And so nine, it says academic rigor. Yes. Was, was cited. Was, mm -hmm. Is there like an open-ended piece of that where we can dive into that yeah. more yes. and figure out what, because like, like what does rigor mean, right? Like what are people looking for from the school? Yeah, there were. Um, it, that's like all in the open comments, and okay, I, I yeah. guess one of the things I would say too is that the the survey in and of itself was like a first pass. I think the hope is to also look at the written responses and see if there's some more fielded questions that can logically pu be pulled from that. Okay. Um. Mm -hmm. So this is sort of like first try. Let's you know see what people respond. But I think in general there was a sense of, um, you know for students on a more accelerated path who needed to be challenged more was sort of what I think we heard a few different times in some okay. of the responses, but yeah, the, the raw results are there. Yeah. Cause I, I too was like a little confused in the numbers and trying to figure this out. And I, uh, hear Colleen and like, you know, as the new member, maybe people come up and talk to me and trying to figure it out. It, it is a little tricky. Cause if, if I want to go to private school, I might enroll there, pay the money and not tell the public school yet. So whenever this is like final, final, we can get those numbers. Yeah. Cause I'm looking through it. It, it is a little like, it's, it's murkier than I thought. It's like an issue I'm trying to get to, to the bottom of. It's just like a little funky because like, you know, I could pay the hundred bucks that my kid go to school or a thousand maybe, you know, whatever the number is, enroll them. But we might not know yet as Medford public. And so it's like, I'm trying to get through like the rumors and what I'm hearing. And it's, it is just a little funky. So I just, I want to name that. I think Jeff talked about, it. but it is like, yeah. I thought it'd be a lot easier to be like, who's going and who's not. So I can figure out if this is something that's just, being talked about on social media or a real problem we need to figure out. And it is, it's like, I've put time into it. Sounds like, you know, Kristen's put time into it. It's, it's hard to get to the bot. Like, it's just harder to figure out than I thought it would be. Just get the... Right. Exodus to avoid middle school. And I keep hearing about that. Yeah. And I'm well, me too, I'm, I'm hearing about it too. And I'm trying to like, we don't see the numbers for that at all. Yeah, the numbers, yeah. ironically, it's really more the eighth to ninth. That's yeah. why your comment was very interesting. Um, I guess it's just a but, well, um, to your point, I mean, come fall, like very, I've got so, more kids down the pike and yeah. I'm like, I'd like to send them there, but I want to see some changes. So I just want to be, um, mindful as we do this over and over um we I definitely appreciate the input as we go deeper into conversation i think it rep you're representative of one you know individual one specific area and i think we just we want to be mindful of that and it's why where we do the That's public input we sometimes get feedback um i would just say my one reaction that i have is the one that it, at least 
I'm relieved to see the long-term numbers, right? I think we always have to be thoughtful about that. Um, but that eighth grade number seems high, right? That, that's, a, that's a number that- Seems high to me. Yeah, you, yeah you, that, that's sure. something that to yeah, me is sure. like, that's yeah. real data. And um, I think that, you know, we, we've talked in the past and here around things like the standard, standard-based reporting and what's going on. But I, I, I think, you know, that, that's something that investigation would, would continue. Well, and I don't, um, I also don't know this... if there's any merit to it, Tim, but like, I would be like the, the income of a given set of, you know, families in a town. Like if you look at the ones that are sending their kids to private school to high percentage, it's the high income towns. Like where does Medfield sit? Where are we trending? Like that could also change numbers over time, you know? Mm -hmm. People have yeah, needs. I'm not surprised at all with my whole livelihoods data, and you can look at it, and you can come to so many different conclusions as well. You know, it's not a it is a tricky topic, but I, I think it was um, timely that there was public input on that. Mm -hmm. That um, we definitely were hearing that, Christine. You br you brought that up a few you know a while ago. We it would be worthwhile to have you know a conversation and some data, which which we have. Yeah. So yeah. So the current numbers are there's only, there's three fifth graders that we know about and 21 eighth graders, right? That's what I, we got. So we'll try and, but again, like, we that, might not know yet, right? That people are pulling them. So that's yeah, what it's, it is. And there is a certain degree, like the fact that we're talking about it here is a great start. I, I know, you know, just my experience with Dr. Marsden is that there's additional work going on. It's just, it's, it's a longer term game. Um, okay. Anything else on that or are we, okay. Uh, next one was, I think this is just a notice that I think we're aware, of. uh, the June 1st school meeting, uh, was going to be, uh, the June 1st and was it the 15th? Yes. Yeah. June 1st and June 15th. Um, there were some logistical items, I think with it falling around the last, was it the last, last day, day of school? So we're consolidating those into a single meeting on Monday, June 12th. And I think, um, you know, does anybody have any um, scheduling issues or concerns? So we're no longer doing the one on the first, just the Correct. 12th for both of yeah. Are we going to start it earlier in case we need more time given we're consolidating or no? Is it, I don't know if there's so there we've done, We've done a preliminary discussion on the agenda. Typically the last, you know, as you get, as you get towards the end of the year, there's um, definitely some important things like we, we want to hear from the various PTOs and, and you know, communities that are um, represented. Uh, we do typically do some awards um, for, you know, the retiring teachers, uh, acknowledgement for there. And uh, I think we would just watch the agenda. As, as a general rule, there's a, you know, change the timings that often because people want to at least be reliable. Yeah. But I, I, I'm not seeing, like, we, we at least talked about it a little bit. I, I'm not seeing, like, hey, that agenda is getting so long. Okay. Um, you know, and I think we are thinking about uh, trying to do a workshop either later in June or early in the summer. Um, that right now we don't have we don't have dates, you know, confirmed. Um, so we would think that we would continue to do, you know, conduct the business of the school. Okay. So let's go forward. Uh, any uh, other items since posting? Okay. Uh, old business. Um, I'm interested to hear about the strategic plan. Is that's uh progressing and, and want to appreciate all the time that everyone's putting into it but that that is um I, I think i said that before some of the fun stuff <laughs> you know just in terms of listening hearing and and learning been excited the last meeting was all data yeah. all data tim <laughs> a lot of data do you want to get because i can give my update on 
That's one if you want to pull time to that. Um, yeah, I would say that that's, we had a one uh, one meeting and then one data meeting, so it's both gone very well. Um, one of the things we talked about is that Bill is not really involved in too much outside the group. Um, so yeah, so I would just say things are going well. And, and it, that's like procedurally, where are we? So we're all on the same page. Where, where are they now and what, what, what else needs to happen? Um, our upcoming meeting, um, so what we've done so far is we've talked about um, we've looked at all the data that we've gathered from all the different stakeholders from throughout um, the community. Um, we've been able to divide it into different groups, kind of bubble the teams up to the top. And then we come together next time, we'll be able to look at kind of some of the bigger themes that we were all seeing as we look through the data. So that's what happened now. Will, any? I concur. I mean, the, the first the first one's kind of a, a brain dump, you know, for if anyone doesn't know to all the people listening out there, you know, we're shooting for like our pillars or our goals more or less, right? So the first one was kind of a, a brain dump by the people in the room. The second one was look at the data, see if it's kind of the same. And, you know, we're, we're heading towards trying to find our, our, our pillars, right? Or our major goals for the district um, that, you know, they're we're seeing if they shape, you know, right now the consultants we hire are putting things together and we they have like th three more meetings, you know, it's pretty fast and furious. I think we're trying to get it done by, by June. So we meet basically every other week for two or three hours. Um, and again, it's just kind of been brainstorming and looking at data. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully we'll get closer to like, what are our goals and needs? And then how are we going to, to get to those through professional development, uh, you know, and teacher training through everything that our administration does to just be focused on what's best for our kids. I feel like we're on track because I don't feel like we've seen anything yeah, that would have pushed us off schedule right now. Agreed. It's okay. just here being able to have something by the end of June ish, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, one of the things that I, I did, I, I met with um, Jell and Tim the other day. We thought it might be helpful if I just shared some of the <clears throat> information around Medfield 2021 and give kind of a high-level overview of some of the activities or, or goals that were reached during during the time we've had Medfield 2021, just to give folks a, a sense of what the type of improvements we can expect with our new plan. Um, so I just put this together um, looking at, we, we, we had five goals and then there was accompanying um, strategies that went each with those goals. Um, collaborative learning, uh, well-being, the whole child community and facilities and equipment. And then we had a whole myriad of goals that went underneath each one of those. But I want to just highlight a few of those just to give you a flavor of what, it, what the new one will look like. Um, so goal one was the collaborative learning. Um, the school district will establish expectations and opportunities for common playing time for teachers. So that's something that we heard a lot about when we were developing. Um, having dedicated common playing time where teachers in, um, at all levels can get together can talk about teaching, can look at student data, can plan together. Um, so now we have that dedicated time for all of our teachers pre-K to 12, and we have contract language that reflects that, which is really, really good for us. Um, revise the current induction and mentoring um, should say model uh, to reflect the current uh, DESE regulations. So we, were, we had a model that was a little loosey-goosey um, a few years, 10 years ago. So one of the things we wanted to do as part of this was to really um, beef it up, make it a robust mentoring program, increase the meeting uh, requirements and expectations, and make sure that uh, we have trained mentors. So that was something that we really put a lot of time and effort in. Um, that's been really positive. Um, that's led by Christine, Nat, and, and Susan Bykoff. So that's been a really good, really good goal to attain. Um, I won't go through every single one of these. Uh, goal number two, well-being. 
um, implementation of our transition rise program at the high school you know to have a doctoral level psychologist and a teacher working in the same room um, to support kids with their academics and their mental health is really invaluable so that's been really positive for us um, and parent and student feedback has been really really positive with that program um, hiring personnel we wanted to make sure that we got a resource officer guidance at the elementary and adjustment counselor at the secondary level so multiple budgets that were supported by the citizens of Medfield had allowed us to accomplish this goal. So we do have guidance counselors in the elementary schools now, which is really important. We got that in before COVID, which was great. Um, and now we have two adjustment counselors for secondary students, one at the middle school, one at the high school. Um, we did have a, a full-time SRO, but unfortunately, um, the lack of personnel at the police force has, um, has, has required them to pull that as a full-time position. So we're really hopeful that that position returns soon. Um, we, the first few years we had that, we had a um, police officer, SRO, in the high school and other buildings um, all day, every day. And that isn't the case right now. We have person that's available to us, but not necessarily um, stations at our, at our high school or our middle school or any of our schools, which we want to make sure that we can get that back as soon as possible. Looking at goal number three, um, you know, we looked at uh, review of current courses courses of studies for students in the schedule at the secondary level. Um, I would say one of the bigger things that we've done, the high school schedule remained the same for over 20 years. And we were able to um, implement a new schedule um, that provided flex time for kids. So there was kind of an equity issue where um, the only time kids could meet with teachers was after school. So our teachers were great. They stay after school and, and meet with kids. But if kids had an activity, if they had um, theater practice, sports, a job, they just couldn't do it. So the flex time allows kids that if they need to meet with a teacher for any reason, uh, whether it's academic support or um, to review homework or if they were absent to review work, they can do that during the school day during flex time, which kids have loved. I know every time the kids come here, they talk about that. Um, that's been a really, really positive change. It also has rotating days and blocks, which we never had that before as well. So that's been a really good change. Um, looking at the community in goal four, uh, we looked at, we, we wanted to redesign our website and add a phone app uh, for parents and staff, which we have over 2,000 downloads to our app right now. Um, and we've increased our functionality, our SIS, that allows the mass emails that you folks all get, and also report card creation, which has been really positive at, the, at both the elementary and the middle school to kind of coordinate the report cards with them. We didn't have that before. Um, and then we continue to use social media as part of, you know, getting the good word out and the good things that are happening. Um, we also had a goal around transitions in, in systems from grade to grade and school to school. So, you know, this is really an interesting one for Medfield because of our structure. So our students are required to have multiple transitions during their pre-K to 12 experience. Um, we successfully prioritized the communication among teachers and have students move up or meet and greet teachers and staff prior to transitioning. And something that we've done, which has been very successful, is all of our eighth graders meet with their assigned high school guidance counselor while they're in eighth grade. So they already, when they get there in day one, they know who their guidance counselor is. They always, they have a, um, a touch point already to who that person is, and they and they feel really good about coming into the high school um, with that. We also, um, with our ninth graders, they start school on the first day early on at the regular time, and we we have our older students, our upperclassmen, um, start later. So that allows our kids to have. Um, the whole school to themselves their first few hours of school to get acclimated to it and that's been really positive a positive change as well um, and then goal number five you know one of the things we did was was combine the role of the director of facilities with the town so now that now Amy is 
the director of facilities for both the town of Medfield and the schools. Uh, and that allows one person to oversee all of our all, all of our uh, property that town owns, kind of like Owen does uh, the technology for both the town and the schools. And this has really led to some efficiencies for us. So um, prior to this and prior to Michael arriving, um, the town would bid out electricity and waste and the schools would do it differently. We had two different companies, two different, so it didn't make much sense. So we knew the economies of scale were there and we bid that together now. So the electricity and the, and the rubbish removal and collection um, gets done uh, with the town, which is really a savings for both. And then, you know, we wanted to make sure that we expanded our wireless network in elementary schools. So that's that's been an important thing to do. Um, Owen's been great in leading the way with that. So it's not only just our day-to-day -day operations, but also making sure that um, kids can take MCAS because that's all digital now. It's not paper and pencil anymore. And, um, and having all of the, the technology that we need for that, not just the Wi-Fi, but all of the uh, Chromebooks as well. So these are, I know I went fast, I, went, I skipped some, but these are just kind of a flavor of some of the things that we did in Medfield 2021 that folks can expect once we put together our, our new strategic plan and, and kind of check those off as we go through and make improvements and make changes. Happy so to answer any questions. When you, say, when you say Medfield 2021, is that just the old five? Yeah, but... just, that's just the name of the old plan. Oh, yep. okay. Just developed in 16, 16, yeah, yeah. 15, okay, 16. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that confuses yeah. me right from the jump. So we, I don't know if this is the place or time, but like those are the positives, but like where are we missing? Or is that not even a conversation for here? Is that a what we talk about? No, I mean, I think there's five year plan. No, I think there's things that didn't get accomplished in the five year plan that will make their way into the new one. For okay. sure. Yeah, like, for sure. Because they were to... priority then, they're priority now. Right. You know, so I think that's something that we need to, you know, I think communication is one that was all throughout the Medfield 2021. That's definitely going to be in this one. You know, just trying to, you know, one of the things that we put in the last plan that we haven't accomplished yet is making sure that there's one standard way that teachers communicate with parents. And some use this app, some use another app. If you have multiple kids, you have multiple apps to communicate with teachers and some just use email. So just trying to streamline that so it's easier for parents. Like that's one area that comes to mind that we really need to make sure that we're doing and it makes its way into the into Yeah, because like plan. we mentioned the positive of transitions, like the kids get to see the school early and meet with the guidance right. counselors. But I think from some of the, the feedback I've heard, the yeah. transitions are like a, a big opportunity where like, you know, if we have kids fleeing for private schools from eighth to ninth grade and there's a concern over middle school, like, so it's like we, we hit some of the transition stuff, mm -hmm. but it sounds like that should still be something we're working on, not just transition okay. of like seeing the building, which is a good thing for kids to right. do, right. but like getting those teachers to talk and like that common prep time and like, how do we get away from these islands and help? Right. Yeah, I mean, we definitely have that transition. as part of the department. I mean, the nice thing is department meetings they have to yeah. do that. So the common planning time is either grade level or by department. So yeah. departments can get together and have those conversations. So that that's definitely happening too. But yeah, okay. I mean, that's transitions are going to be ongoing goal forever. I mean, that's, yeah, and for all districts, yeah, for that's all not districts, unique yeah. to us, but it's just any district you talk to that eighth and ninth grade is is a challenge for kids. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, but we could always do better with it for sure. Okay. One of the um things that did actually come back from the survey was an appreciation. I don't know if this was new this year for the open house with the high school. Mm -hmm. That seemed to be very positive. Is that, okay. was that new or have we always done that? Well, we didn't get a transition. We went away during COVID. Yeah, we went away for COVID, okay. so it was nice to have that back again. Okay. Yeah. Seems very popular. Right. And we're doing middle conferences. school and high school conferences now. We are. Which next, will help make transition with parents one. and next communication. Year. Right. 
but next year will be the first year we've first done year that, right? Ever, yeah. And that's nothing I've ever heard of in other high school districts. Yeah, yeah. first first time ever next year. So. Okay. We have a committee in each building that's work, been working on that all year for structure. Yeah, just how so, to schedule it yeah, when you have so yeah, many it's, kids it's in different tough. classes. It's tough. I mean, it's it's challenging at the elementary level when you have 25 kids, never mind at the high school level when you have 100. So right. uh, that's what they've been working on. Uh, thank you. No, it's helpful too. I think just to Michelle, I just want to raise that, but think about the work we're doing and for, you know, you're doing, and then for us, when we look at it, you know, we want to be going back to that strategic plan. Like, yeah, you know, I, I've heard other at the MASC and not, Hey, should that be the, you know, in some ways structure the agenda? Not, you know, it's hard, it's hard to say exactly. Some of it is you know, it just naturally happens, but I, I think the work we do and the review we do over the next you know, 30 to 60 days and, and, and on that, you know, is incredibly important. Well, our, our CEO, right, he, you know, he'd set five goals at the beginning of the year. And every time we had a company meeting, so let's say it was a quarterly basis, he'd grade us on each of those, you know, and say, okay, you, you, we're doing A on revenue, but we're doing a, a B on, on the, and, you yeah. know, similarly, you yeah. might want to have that kind of a readout once we have the new strategic plan in place where it's sort of like a self-evaluation of how it's going on some frequency that is logical to do so, understanding some things are longer term projects. Yeah, it's hard to do. Yeah, I think we were going to talk to the uh, consultants about as well. Like, yeah. Uh, some sort of dashboard, right? We talked about yeah, that. Yeah, dashboard as well. Like, you know, which of your districts are doing this successfully and how are they communicating mm -hmm. to the public on where they stand on the goals that they have there? Yeah, we talked about yeah. that at the last meeting. That's one thing we have to do better is tell the story better, you know, and how we're doing. And a dashboard was one way, but trying to get a, some sort of system that allows us to get the word out um, on a regular basis of where we are and where we stand on all these goals. Yeah. It's, that's We have to do a better job than we did in the last five years. Yeah, get them out in. Yeah, the dashboard are like, may have somewhat, where we can, like quantifiable goals, right? Yeah. So we can yeah. really, so we can see, because I think in the work I've been doing and looking at other strategic plans and stuff, in education, it's not the same as like business. And I think it would help yeah. to be to evaluate better if they're more quantifiable. So I think we'll work towards that in the next couple of meetings with the consultants and team. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that could be more quantifiable, but I think education itself lends itself to be qualitative. You know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. To, it's hard to do, but it's also hard to evaluate if we hit the goals. If right. they're not, you know, if we're like, yeah, the kids seem happier, you know, right. or, or like, right. so we're yeah. working on it. Okay. Um, and speaking of one of the elements in the plan, community engagement and communication, um, I know I think for a little while, I was uh, Michelle and I were kind of, um, let's say, just uh, driving that a little more through the year. Um, but I, I think one of the things we said is we got from, you know, March into April, the strategic plan, making sure we're getting community engagement coming into that, which I think was, was positive, was, was one of the um, top of mind. Yeah. Um, you know, I am excited as we, we're going to have the, um, MCPE and PTOs coming in next week. Um, you know, I, my, one of my own observations is uh, communication is we always know it's a two-way street. It's one thing to share the news, good or bad. And, and it's also making sure we have really great feet on the street so we can hear what's going on. And, you know, that, that's been a, something that I've, it's been important to me since COVID. You know, I think we all started to learn how important when our kids were at home that the, the teach they needed to hear from us and um you know that, that just seems to be that that's a theme that um you know i, I think is continuing and we'll see what comes out of the plan um but those are th those are some things that uh you know we continue to do um michelle's your 
social posts and whatnot. I yeah, think are I feel like we started this, you know, at the beginning of the school year in regards to the ways that we could be more um, outward facing, right, mm -hmm. in regards to partnering with PTOs, um, bringing in uh, parent representatives from the site council to speak here, um, and launching uh, social media, understanding how people get their information was something that I feel like we hadn't had a conversation about. Um, so I feel like we've made some good strides um, in that space, and then I'm looking forward, I guess, to like how we can continue to look for opportunities to increase that. So um, we crossed over 800 across our, all three of our social channels, which I thought was kind of cool because we really only did, we did one launch at the beginning. We haven't been asking people to find us. We haven't been telling people. It's been a lot more organic on how people are um, getting their information, right? And I think it's telling on how, some, how people, we know how people get their information, right? But it's good that they are now getting it from us sometimes too. So right. yeah, I feel like there was a, a lot of good pilot programs there and I'm hopeful that we can take them and do more from them. Yeah, no, and, and that's, I, I don't think um, we have it on the agenda tonight, but as we talk about a workshop, that's some of the themes is, hey, what do we look like um, as we go into next year? How do we, you know, like, how do we run our agendas? What's really on them? But I think that that's where we would have a little more uh, conversation. But I, you know, community, it, it, it never stops, right? It's yeah. three legs of a stool, a parent, or a parent guardian, a student, and a, a teacher administrator. If we're doing all three right, that's so key. Um, oh gosh, and we close on policy update. <laughs> Whose idea was that? You need to start putting that at the top of the agenda, Tim, if you oh, want to gosh, take any yes. airtime. <laughs> so um, Leo's not here, but I, I would say just as we transitioned um, the group, uh, we were starting to get rolling on policy. Um, we are, you know, going to, I'm going to try to get that going again, where in theory we're, we're, reviewing you know one to two sections every month um bringing them for you know the, that's with uh leo myself who's representing policy committee and um masc trying to um find the right balance between our current policies their model policies and when and where change is appropriate and uh, then bring those forward uh to you folks um which we've we've done when in, and generally it's um informational item which you're going to have here today with section C and D, it's now available for you to review. Um, this is considered the first reading for A and B, which is you've, you've taken a look, we can discuss any questions or concerns. And um, that doesn't mean we're, we're doing anything. Uh, once you go through information items, uh, then there's a second part of that, where uh, the following meeting we would potentially take a vote on it. Um, then the a reminder, the way we're doing it, the policy manual is it's under a thousand pages, but it's a lot of pages. Cool. Um, we are voting it uh, almost that this would all go in when all sections are approved. So you're, you're voting it that we, we've we've tagged that, but we're trying to get through all sections. Theoretically, I'd like I'd love to target December of next year. Um, you always have to go back to what are the priorities this month and this you know at a given time that sometimes things will slide. So sorry for the long-winded. <laughs> Reminder, uh, but it, it is something that we, we have to uh, focus on. So any um, questions, comments um, from the reading of, of sections A, or I'm sorry, sections, uh, yeah, A and B. A and B. Yeah. No. 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 
Good. And you've got some great reading in front of you between now and June 12th with C and D. Yeah, where's, I, I got the A and B, which I'd pre previously seen. Where's C and D? Yeah, and I actually, I did notice. Um, did I see that? Did you just, uh, we don't even have it. We're still waiting. Yeah, we're still waiting. Yeah, okay. We're not have there it. yet. Yeah. yeah. Good. Glad I okay, so it's, um, yeah, so it's not a, officially an informational item at this point. So we just need to okay. um, mark that in the, in the uh, meeting minutes. Um, so that'll be coming your way, and I, I need to um, get going on that again. It's not because I don't love policy. Good Lord. All right, we're at, we're at end. So I think um, informational items. I just have a couple. Um, they're not on the agenda, but I'd like to have maybe one on the agenda next time. Um, we, we've established a partnership with Regis College um, to really – to work with our high school kids uh, to offer college level courses to them to get credit um, to really start a pipeline for educators. So we started Education 101 from Regis College with eight students the other night, which was great. So they're sophomores and juniors. They will receive college credit for this and will be um, committing to this program for the next couple of years. Um, we've, it's paid for totally by a grant, which is really good for us. We got a grant for DESE to um, start something like this and Mary Brule and I have met with Regis numerous times and we were able to secure that class and eight kids that are interested so they're going to be educators to be educators oh. so they're going to get uh, three college credits after this class is done and then next semester in the fall have another class and it's be open to more kids as well so we're really excited about that but I'll give you more information on that at the June 12th meeting and the other thing I want to just mention is that um, MCP had their uh, their annual meeting on Tuesday night, um, and they presented the district with a check for one hundred thousand um, dollars, and that is to um, for all of the reach for, reach for the stars grants that were part of their thirty five year celebration, uh, and one hundred thousand dollars will pay for each one of those grants in the schools. So we're just really thankful for the work, and thank for everyone that donated to MCP to get that to get those funds. So really appreciate the work that they did. I'm sure they'll talk about it with yes. as well. Yeah. <laughs> wow. No, that's good. That's uh, that's great to hear. Yeah, and they'll, they'll so they'll be out next week uh, or in the twelfth, and they they typically do a little bit of a. Mm -hmm. They'll do a recap. Yeah, what are we anyway. what are we doing? It's it's usually a fun event. And on top of that, it was 50, I think fifty four thousand dollars worth of grants, in the three grant cycles this year, on top of the hundred thousand. Doing great work. It's uh, it's fantastic. Any other? Um, sometimes informational items is a little less formal. We definitely don't want to go into any heavy topics we're not allowed to but just sometimes it's hey i was walking around town i saw something what outside. i didn't see the wheelock did you see the wheelock i didn't see the music performance but i saw the art show and mm -hmm. felt like it was really cool lovely really yeah. cool i saw the art show unfortunately dylan had the seven o'clock slot so i gotta watch a video when i get home but he's very excited about it he can sing high and low oh nice <laughs> yeah um, I, I was able to get to the Dale Street PTO. They had a pretty full agenda, so I was mostly just, you know, listening and hearing about what they have going on. It was their last meeting of the year, so they had a lot. Um, but I did reach out to them after, and one of the things I, I did ask about was the best channels for communication and sort of get the fourth and fifth grade family perspective on that. So, like, hey, where do you, you know, where do you trust? Where do you go? Where do you hear? Kind of all carry on from the... Um, the meeting that we did with um, Medfield Outreach. So I'm still just really consciously trying to get people mm -hmm. to tell us where they get their information and where they hear about things so that we can make sure we're reaching people where they want to be reached. So that's my update. 
Great. Um, last one, future agenda items right now. Um, we think we wanted to talk about school start times to, to really almost kick off that conversation on, on June 12th. So um, it's on the agenda for the 12th just to talk about it? The overall process and what it would look like general high-level timeline on what we'd be looking at. Okay. Right, because if we want to do this, it's going to have to be it's big. Right. Right. So this isn't just a one-topic talk. This would be high-level, what the process might look <clears> like, <throat> what we need to get this done, and kind of a general timeline to get there. And is is that the meeting in which we would want input? From so the so high-level, high without going deep, I, we don't level. think so. Okay. We, 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 there was just some debate, like just to understand the process. Okay. And if we were to hold a meeting at a later date, what are some of the things that we think would be helpful? Right. So, so that's, that's the intention. Um, by all means, it's, it, it's, you know, we plan on putting it on, on June 12th. You know, that that's a topic people can yeah, anyway, ask about, but we're not. Yeah, but this is more of like for all of us to understand and be educated on what it could mean, what it would mean. It's not a decision. Oh, no, 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 we're no, just making sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, that, that will probably take us the entire school year next year. Yeah. You know, to work on that, to have many different types of input from families and um, teachers and students sure. and everything else. So I, I already have, um, there's a junior, one of the junior civics classes is doing projects, and there's maybe six kids that have reached out to me for different topics, and two of them reached out for school start, four of them reached out for school start time. So we had meetings last week. And um, two of them already emailed me asking to be. I told them about this. Oh, you know, good. looking forward, they want to be on the committee next year. So that's great. They're really, in, they're really committed to a later start time for high school kids. <laughs> yeah. But is there a way? So I know we said it took the whole year, but like, and we, I don't. We, 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 I just feel like I should even start like start talking to the community about it, even if it's not what we talk about it on June twelfth. Oh, sure. yeah, yeah. But so is there a? We might not even know this. We might learn this on June twelfth. But a path where we do it in like twenty twenty four, like if we talk about it all next year, that would be the goal. I would think. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. But so it's still like, it's it's far away, but it's like still only like one school year right. away, which right. is like right. big changes for people. Yeah. yeah. Right. Awesome. I think that's why it's on there now, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Like, I mean, the teachers still need to get in. Of course. Look at the buses. Mm -hmm. the, like, there's a lot of big impact. Oh yeah, of course. Here. The community obviously as well. We want to be getting as much in input as possible. So understanding that we would be targeting the following school year, yeah. start understanding at the next meeting what that what are the big rocks sure. to mm -hmm. get there, right? Like to go in that space. Um, so yeah, so that's where we're at with that. And we brought that up during the last negotiation with teachers, letting them know that uh, we would be bringing this up within the four years of the contract. So we did a one-year and a three-year contract last time, and we had a conversation about uh, this is something that we're going to you know pursue or have committees to discuss but this is definitely on our radar for the next four years so we talked to them about it as well i mean if it wasn't for covid we probably would be there already but because yeah. we had the conversations prior to covid and then as we know everything changed so okay and then other topics uh 2023 retirements um end of year updates with cpac medfield music association mcpe mm -hmm. and pto which is typically something we do each year um, and uh, that was the one thing. The next meeting, at the agenda reads June 1st. I think based on the conversation, it goes to June 12th, and we keep it at 7 p.m. Okay. Two hours and four minutes. Not bad, Tim. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, do I hear anything? Anybody want to try to make a motion to close the meeting? Motion to close the meeting. Will Horn. Second, Kristen Simonini. 
All in favor? Aye. 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 All right.